title for this Twitter space is very simple. Is FBPE Twitter a cult? And the reason why we can't have nice things. And when I say nice things, I mean nationalising our utilities, getting better pay, and just generally having a more um, society that is not so fucked at the moment as it is. Um, I did try to invite other people from FBPE to actually speak on this space, but they have declined. So we're reduced to kind of going full David Attenborough on them and trying to analyse them and see what they're all about. Let's go with the questions. If you want to speak uh, on if FBE is a cult or not, send a request button now and I will add you. I'm, ha um, I'm having problems with a couple of the guests, so let me sort that out. Um, uh, we finally got Garant up, but before we begin, if you want to speak, hit the speaker request button and I'll, I'll set you up. Um, some of the questions we're going to be discussing about FBE Twitter is... Would Jesus vote for Keir Starmer's Labour? Why is FBPE obsessed with finding a good Tory but smear anyone left of Gordon Brown as a Putin apologist? Does Jeremy Corbyn live rent-free in FBPE Twitter's head? Is Ian Dunn and James O'Brien the David Koresh of this Waco-style FBE cult? And finally, does an EU flag and a Ukrainian flag in the Twitter bio guaranteed a very bad take. Right, without further ado, let's begin. Um, Garant, say hello. Hi, yeah. is that coming through Crystal. all right? Nice one. All right. Uh, hi, everyone. Good evening. Um, so I've listened to a, a couple of these spaces. They're great. And I thought, you know, this, this one involves mainly uh, shouting at centrists. It's, it's always a good bet. So um, I think... Sort of part of what I wanted to sort of make the argument for is that a lot of the people um, in what you'd call FBP Twitter have kind of been taken for mugs and like used as a, a political cudgel against the left uh, by people who do know very much what they're what they're doing there. So uh, sort of wanted to talk a bit about that. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll crack on and do that now. Yeah, no, you don't go ahead. Um... Yeah. A couple of the guests are late coming in, so sure. yeah, you... yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to dash off later. Yeah, as well, no which problem. Is why I sort of requested to, to speak quite early tonight on this no one. No problem, so, no problem. What? Be quite lengthy. So, from a jumping off point, um, do you? Like, my mm. my main thing is that FBPE Twitter are looking for excuses not to back things like "Don't Pay UK," don't, um, "Enough is Enough" campaign, and really and truly. Um, their politics starts and ends in 2016, and it's forever in a hamster side, mm -hmm. uh, side um, wheel of just Brexit, 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 and not realizing that like there's politics before 2016, there's politics after yeah. 2016, and if they don't get their act together, they're just going to be an irrelevant minority within the political discourse. I think so. I think, yeah, to, to an extent they are. And I think um, part of what we're seeing there with their hostility towards any new movement that's, uh, that's coming up around uh, 
uh, sort of cost of living and uh, real terms wage deflation and stuff like that, um, it's almost like several levels into doubling down on what they've been up to the, the last few years. Um, it's a very difficult thing to admit you're wrong or, you know, if they are a cult, the, the most extreme version of it, to, to accept you're in a cult and, and, and break ties with it. I think um, a lot of the people on that hashtag that are most vocal or maybe have FPPE in their signature or their, their Twitter name or whatever, they're often some of the most vocal people involved with, like, Stop Brexit, People's Vote, things like that. But they're they're not necessarily the most sort of involved on the ground and that sort of thing. They're, they're foot soldiers, if you like. It's like, you know, if... Um, the broad equivalent on the left would be when when sort of left wing tweets go viral and there's a lot of people with like pro Corbyn uh, messages and, and hashtags and things like that uh, beyond the the traditional. But um, I think they tend to mean it, a, a lot a lot of them what they tweet at face value and what what they've done really is they've reacted to something that sort of shocked them politically, that's taken them out of their comfort zone, the, the Brexit vote in 2016, with, like, fear and panic, uh, you know, to, to an extent understandable. They've sort of looked around as well and, and uh, looked at other things going on that were unexpected at the time, particularly Corbyn becoming Labour leader a year, year or so before that, and they've, they've sort of found it easy to, to draw links there. But if you look at the, the sort of top of these movements, people um, in most cases who are very experienced political operatives, um, got your sort of big names like Alistair Campbell, uh, MPs like uh, Anna Subri, uh, who we heard from there, <laughs> to, uh, yeah. uh, as unwelcome as ever, uh, and lots and lots and lots of sort of Labour machine types, yeah, your Labour right hacks and, and people who've come through that sort of NLS sort of uh, thing. You know, someone like Patrick Hennigan was, was heavily involved in the, the People's Vote. You had, um, oh God, what was it called? There was one sort of astroturfed uh, second referendum group that like turned up at that Labour Live concert and stuff with really stage-managed uh, protest signs and stuff. And they were all like, you know, Labour student hacks, you know, Um these are people that don't know what they're doing to an extent. And then, like, in terms of the funding for these movements as well, um, a lot of it's very opaque. They haven't got a clue where it's coming from. And what we do know um, in terms of the funding and the the, the main organisation of it was coming from sort of people who were very eager to have a, a new centrist party specifically to head off Labour moving, moving left. So it's funny you should mention that because one of the... My, uh, I, I had like literally a couple of tweets that did few uh, some numbers, and mm-hmm. every single person in that with the self awareness of yeah, uh, with no self awareness coming steaming and saying, "Do you want Tories in power for whatever? Why don't you back Keir Starmer?" And I'm like, "Hang yeah. on a minute, mate! Like, did we all sleep through the period where you were just launching parties like like it like it was a?" Yeah. Like it's a joke. Like, yeah. what, what is going on? Like, why is anything you do legitimate? This next Up one around the corner team. will be the one that works, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah they launched. They were launching a party every month, like literally. And obviously, we. Um, and my my thing was that yeah, they were all astroturf, and and I'm sure the FBPE Twitter. And I'm going to stop mm-hmm. using that because it's very difficult to kind of keep on saying. So I'm going to call them Waitrose Twitter. Um, sorry if it <laughs> offends. 
But Waitrose Twitter, why is it legitimate for you to have multiple parties organised without the Labour, um, with, outside of Labour, but anyone else towards the left of Gordon Brown is not allowed to, and we're just all mm. Tory supporters. Like, I don't understand. If anyone wants to come in and jump in, sorry, Garant, go ahead. It's okay. It's the, I mean, that's that's a, a defining issue of, of a, for a long time. It's obviously come to a head with Corbyn and, and a more defined left versus right, but you used to get it a lot back in the, the Ed Miliband and Gordon Brown years, you know. Uh, it would more be focused around general elections. All of a sudden, after a general acceptance that Labour was a bit too right-wing and a bit shady, all of a sudden, as soon as there was a general election coming any time soon, oh, you simply must hold your nose and vote for them, otherwise you're voting for the Tories. So it's no surprise to see that coming back. But um, like you say, they've, they've, done, sorry, they've done about... 50 micro versions of the SDP in the meantime this time so it's uh, really sort of you can't put down that down to a one-off folly that they've learned from I think when what we've seen is obviously a lot of the people running the show in terms of uh, sort of um, second referendum type stuff were, were very anti-Corbyn and they're, they've sort of made sure to sort of point the, the movement at uh, at Corbyn, you know, or Corbyn's a, a secret Brexiteer, you know, he, uh, he probably voted for Brexit, Martin Wapplington said so, and, and all this stuff. Um, and I think it's been quite easy to channel people at that because they're uneasy being like vocally left wing. And then I think, in, in terms to bring it back to what you said at the, the start, in terms of the, the hostility towards newer movements popping up to uh, fight against you know, the, the cost of living crisis, if, you know, they've spent at this point five years or so punching left and saying that the left are to blame for the world not being as we want it, basically. Uh, you're then asking them to to turn around and, and, and join uh, a sort of left-wing cause. And some of them, this will, this will be a wake-up for them. I'm sure there's a lot of people that we've never even noticed that have just quietly ditched the FPPE from their, their username or just sort of reined in a bit and started talking about other things as well. But a See, lot of it's main psychologically bone hard, isn't it, to be like, yeah. this thing I've been banging on for five years ago, I was actually quite wrong and, and we should have listened to the left more, even if that doesn't mean fully embracing them, you know? Yeah, but was, see, my problem with Waitrose Twitter is that <laughs> they they said they're like, they as an observer, they seem like spoiled brat that have politically got everything that they've ever wanted <clears throat> for the past uh, 25, 30 years. Yep. And all of a sudden, we've reached a point where it's a crisis for them, but they've not actually thought about what preceded their crisis point, i.e. austerity uh, and all the stuff yeah. leading up to uh, their crisis point, which is 2016 and Brexit. And They've cut, and they're actually doing a speed run of that again with another left movement that's kind of uh, growing up organically. People are out there um, organizing chapters, etc., uh, trying to support people, and they're they're on Twitter going, "Oh, Mr. Mike Lynch, why don't you con- condemn Putin?" And I'm like, "What the fuck has yeah. Putin got to do with 
just getting a pay rise in the UK. Like, the, they, they, does, they, does he yeah. control our foreign policy or something? What is going on? <laughs> they, they can't seem to distinguish between, um, you know, a, a trade union leader is not quite the same as a party politician in that, you know, I, I'm not going to, be, uh, but, the, you know, the, there's one high-profile trade unionist I can think of who I think has terrible views on loads of things and was yeah. a complete gobshite when he was a bit less senior in his union. Um, he's reined it in a bit now when he's got a, a fairly prominent role, but um, you wouldn't not support his union's activities because this guy's got some dickhead views on social issues or foreign policy or something. Whereas if, you know... Uh, a sort of a politician elected to represent the public or a constituency's worth of the public uh, has shitty views in in one or two areas or more then it's 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 um it's more directly related to their role uh, i'm not saying that bad views from trade unionists shouldn't be shouldn't be challenged but their role as a trade unionist is specifically to advance the uh the position of their workers and uh, and and to uh, to fight the battles that, that need fighting there. Uh, the, the the idea like oh yeah I, I I did support Mr McLynch and thought he was great on TV and all his actions, but actually I disagree with him uh, on on a point on the war in Ukraine that Bellingcat were making three years ago. Um, you know, so it's not really actually a fringe opinion at all. Um, oh, I can no longer support any of the activities of the RMT. Obviously, this but, is a particularly dramatic example. But but there's my just, problem there's, there's is that thought that they're sort of looking for for excuses, you know, to not support. My them. problem, my problem is, and this is a major concern of mine, is yeah, we've got we've got we're literally at a worse worse position than before that made the Corbynism a a thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what the media and establishment are going to do is gonna, they're going to punt a right-wing alternative, the Tommy Robinsons, the Nigel Farages, as a counterbalance to whatever the left is organising. And yeah. Waitrose Twitter need to pick a side. And, mm. and the thing is, looking from the Corbyn years, the side they're going to pick is the right. But my argument is that if you want your Brexit reversal, you need to be speaking to the people that are most impacted by the cost of of living crisis because Mm. they are exactly the people who voted um, Brexit as a fuck you to the establishment. And if you're just sitting on Twitter all day long and what the media and establishment are going to do is they're going to punt a right-wing alternative, the Tommy Robinsons, the Nigel Farages, as a counterbalance to whatever the left is organising. And Waitrose Twitter need to pick a side. And and the thing is, looking from the Corbyn years, the side they're going to pick is the right. But my argument is that if you want your... Brexit reversal, you need to be speaking to the people yes. that are most impacted by the cost of cri- uh, cost of living crisis because mm. they are exactly the people who voted um, Brexit as a fuck you to the establishment. And if you're just yep. sitting on Twitter all day long poo-pooing anything organising, not only will the right come in and hijack uh, grassroots movements, 
but you will not be any closer to reversing Brexit. So mm. shit on the part or get off, please, mate. Hundred percent. I mean, what what you identify there is is um, the, the the seeming lack of interest in actually changing anyone's view on Brexit, which is bizarre given how narrowly they lost it and how important an issue it is to them. You know. Yeah. Um, as you say, a lot of the people affected by this, uh, well, particularly affected by this, because we're all going to be affected by it, but um, are going to be people who um, both are impacted by it to an extent that they're willing to consider a wider range of options for changing things and who may have previously or currently supported Brexit. If If you lose a referendum narrowly, and your whole thing that you've banged on about for years is let's have another referendum. Why are they not doing anything to actually try and, and like talk to people and win them round and explain, you know, you know that, to be fair, in some cases that might be self-destructive if they try to, but like... I mean, Femi's giving it, God, God bless him, but yeah. he, he's <laughs> his solution to everything um, that's going to happen in winter is fucking PR, mate. And like, uh, and I, and I, it's like you spent nine minutes doing a video, and all your solutions are more uh, tinkering around with Parliament, mate. We're we're at the stage of going to, on to the streets because no one's listening, yeah. and you're talking about fucking PR that will happen may happen in two years' time after yeah. a general election. All his suggestions that he comes up with are being generous. Ones that would have made sense like a decade before he made them, you know. Yeah, I mean, um, Lib Dems did that. They did yeah. that before they um, um, started killing us during yeah. the austerity. That was their one. one that was their one big demand, was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And no Give one us cares. A referendum, and we'll do all this shit. Well, it's, this is the thing as well. None of their suggestions um, have even thought about like how to work in contact with political reality. Because what happened when you had that PR referendum? You had. Um, Obviously, a lot of big politicians coming out against it, uh, and a slight disadvantage there. But what you've seen is is them just sort of going into absolute fuck you mode to kill it dead. You had Dan Hodges, then a political operative more so than he was a, a columnist, uh, coming up with big posters, billboards all over the country, with like um, you know a, a picture of a, a sad-looking soldier saying he needs working body armor not proportional voting system and a, a crying baby, you know. He needs uh, good NHS uh, hospitals, not a, a, a proportional voting system. A complete bollocks campaign, but that's what they do. They go studs up. And, and if your strategy has no... Um, is just, oh, let's give everyone a vote and they'll choose right this time. Like, sorry, no, you have no conception of how many people have just had, like, Daily Mail or Express or Telegraph bullshit, like, mainline, like a gas leak in their home for 40 years, you know? It's it's just completely deaf to the, to the realities of British politics on a, on a basic level. Right, finally, um, because I know I've got a lot of people waiting, and I will, I will def- definitely stick around and I will bring you back in again uh, before you have to leave. Yeah, um, yeah. Final question, because I know real politics are deep in the in Waitrose Twitter culture. <laughs> yeah. The least Does the EU, EU flag plus Ukrainian flag 
guarantee a very, very bad tweet incoming. It's pretty close to a guarantee, isn't it? One or the other, like, it might well be bad, but it's not a rule. The two of them combined, um, usually with something about being politically homeless in the bio to go with it, you know, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not it's not promising, is it, when you see that? Oh, and the last one, I promise. Ian Dunn, James O'Brien, O'Brien? Yeah. Are they the David Koresh of this Waco-style um, cult? I don't know. I think they're, they're. I don't know who would be the David Koresh. I think they're more like his trusty lieutenants. Um, you know them and, and Linsky and uh, the the cancelled observer uh, uh, columnist who seems to be quite rightly consigned to oblivion. But I don't know. None of them really seem like they're they're doing much more than than cheerleading on autopilot. I don't know if they've got much of a, a cult power. Um, I wonder who would. Okay, right. Thank you very much, Garen. I promise I'll bring you back before you have to leave. Um, but I've got a couple of um, questions. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. Right. First, before um, before I bring in anyone else, because obviously we've had a jump in the listenership. Can you please, please, please share the space? Um, that would be much appreciated. Let me go over some of the questions. Would Jesus vote for Labour under Keir Starmer, as someone on Waitrose Twitter uh, suggested earlier this week? Why is uh, Waitrose Twitter obsessed with finding a good Tory, but smear anyone of left to of Gordon Brown as P- a Putin apologist? Does Jeremy Corbyn live rent-free in FBA uh, Waitrose Twitter? And finally, does um, Waitrose Twitter have a class and race problem? I know Garant needs to go soon, so if Tony, you could come on with with Garant and have a little discussion, and I'll just keep an eye out for people who want to speak. And then after that, Nisha, and then Jazz. <laughs> this is like one of those weird blind date things, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're going to have a chat, say, so, yeah, how's it going? No, I just want to quickly say, I think the key thing, and, and Geraint, you might have said this just before I come on, the key thing about Waitrose Twitter is they never, ever thought for one second they were going to lose. They never thought that we would have Brexit. And yeah. the moment that happened then they had to recalibrate their understanding of Britain. So they just, this, as other people have said, they decided that people were stupid or that people were brainwashed or that people, all, all these horrible reasons. But, and that's when you get, it's an excuse for them. Everyone's been right when they say that these people don't want change. Brexit now becomes an excuse for everything. Racism, they'll say, is worse without conceding that it existed. Um, you know, the sewage stuff, um, that, that existed before. Um, we used to be our, we used to be known as the dirty old man of Europe, partly because of our beaches. And so, but but it's a bit like in America, things were bad before Trump, but Trump is now the sort of anchor, and they can say everything bad has happened because of him. Yeah, yeah. Trump has corrupted our terrible democracy. No, he's just kind of been a bit more open and blatant about what it is, and it's the same here, as you say. Um, a lot of the things that Brexit has caused this, maybe it's accelerated them a little bit, but they were all ongoing processes that you were happily, in most cases, turning a blind eye to and until uh, until this happened and, and shook you up a bit. And it's all about 
avoiding difficult answers as to, to why this un- uncomfortable shock has happened for them. You know, it's it's easier for them to be jam man bad. You know, Corbyn didn't campaign on it properly. The left secretly want Brexit and all this. Then it is to be like, hang on, why did we run the single worst <laughs> Uh, political campaign of of most of our lifetimes. What did we actually get wrong, and and how how do we go about fixing that? There's there's not even any any look at that. You know, it's absolutely crazy and myopic. But it's what happens when people have a sort of complacent, beyond arm's length view of politics, and then suddenly are like, oh fuck, it's not going how I want. I'd better start paying attention to this. They've got no context for anything. That's exactly how it is. It's, uh, and uh, uh, when when I thought it might be possible to discuss things with these people, so we're talking about just after the uh, referendum, yeah. when people were talking about, oh, the, the Brexit campaign illegally spent money, I went and had a look, and the Remain campaign probably spent like 20 million quid more than the Brexit campaign because mm. every union put money into it. The Conservative and Labour parties each put like two to four million quid in. And yeah. so even with all that money, they couldn't win and they don't understand it. And we understand it. We understand what happened. We understand why Brexit happened. I just wanted to say one thing about uh, Trump as well. Aaron Sorkin, the writer of The West Wing, he, he said this thing where up until Trump, if there was any American intervention in any part of the world, people would say, thank God the troops are here. But that all stopped with Trump. <laughs> Okay, no. I mean, that's, that's your liberal icon, Aaron Sorkin, and it's really yeah. similar in this country. I mean, they don't have the same icon, but it but it is amazing. I'm, I mean, I I do want to do a little thing here, which is that Waitrose Twitter is really small, um, and they're sort of representative of a certain mindset, which is people not thinking about something till it affects them, but. No political party has had that sort of magnetic pull that like Labour used to have, where people would grow up and say, I'm a Labour man. No, no yeah. one really says that anymore. But it is possible, of course, that Labour will appeal to the people who don't want anything changed, because that's just what Labour's going to do. Nothing. Yeah, or, you know, the slower pace of change for the worse, I guess, is probably what they're offering. But, um, yeah, I mean, what... If, Sorry, I completely lost my train of thought a bit. <laughs> um, it's easy to do when you're talking about these people. It is, yeah, yeah. The, the sort of red mist descends. <laughs> yeah, and also the boredom and the desire to sleep. But um, I, I think the example you gave of Sorkin is a good one there because I've said about sort of people sort of getting a sort of political awakening and a shock and not really knowing where to look for actual answers so settling for the easy ones but you, you get people like Sorkin and obviously there's plenty of equivalents in, in Britain as well, these sort of lifelong liberals who uh, made it, a, yeah. yeah yeah, actually yeah, I'd, I'd rate him in his in his prime higher than, than Sorkin but it's the same uh, political thing, you know, they've, they've spent a, a career writing um works that involve or are based around party politics that involve a deep understanding of the minutiae of the workings of it and have spoken to loads of people to research it and so on and yet they have less actual like worse political instincts and and less political dynamism than the chair i'm sitting in right now you know there's 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 no 
life to it at all. They are so, really very, very boring. That is, you know, <laughs> apart from that they make us angry, they're very boring. Yeah. I mean, to their politics, when it's good and when it's bad, it's just all about sort of big speeches and personalities. And they're, they're, yeah, but Garant, their personality, their personality is whatever Owen Jones says. We are the opposite <laughs> yes. of that. That is literally the like. Oh my god! Like, <laughs> how are you going to Waitrose to tweet pictures yeah, in yeah. solidarity with Waitrose? You know, Waitrose is not under. <laughs> under occupation or anything like you you lot like waitrose twitter seriously like wobble your head touch grass you do understand yeah that owen jones yeah is not your enemy my mate like we on the left have structural criticisms of people like owen jones aaron bastani because in two years time they're gonna tell us to vote for Keir Starmer. and nah mate i'm not doing it but you lot in Waitrose Twitter, really need to get a grip and touch grass, yeah? Because if you're making... The reason we use Waitrose Twitter, not because we don't know the fucking history behind Waitrose and how they... Um, how how good they are to staff and their business model. It's none of that. It's literally because you lot got so offended and so upset that you made it a personality. So we're taking a piss out of you. That's this is what's going to be quite interesting. There's like, you know, the, these people taking photos and that's their idea of what solidarity is. Um, for those who don't know me, I'm a union rep on the London Underground and we understand what solidarity is. We understand what it means for someone to support us and the firefighters know it and the council workers on strike, the bin workers on strike know it and the criminal barristers who are going on strike this week, they know it. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens because these people, remember, I think we're pretty much all agreed, they don't really want anything to change from where it is right now. Um, and that's that's funny because where it is right now always changes, doesn't it? It's always different from one year to the next. And they're going to face a problem when more and more people start going on strike. They're going to actually be forced into a position of like your neighbour's going on strike or your son's going on strike and they're going to actually be forced to have an opinion on this and i think probably we can all guess what their opinion is their opinion will probably be you don't need to strike just sit down and negotiate mm -hmm. mm. so what's your what's your view tony because obviously you're as you said you're a union man what's your view on waitrose twitter doing that mr mike lynch has certain things that um i support but i cannot support the strikes because of his views on Ukraine. Um, does the RMT union um, boss uh, control our foreign policy? Do we have? Does he have secret links to Putin that we're not aware of? Or like, just like explain, explain as a RM, RMT man the links Mike Lynch has with Putin and what RMT. Like just everything to do with RMT and Putin, if there is a link. Well, obviously, um, I can't tell you anything about our links with Putin because I'll be killed. Um, <clears throat> but I'll tell you what, the, you you raised a brilliant point, which is people saying, you know, I would have supported these strikes, but I can't now because Lynch has said this about Ukraine or I found out he was in favour of leaving the EU. And it's like just what I was saying. When they're forced into having an opinion, they find a really good reason to be against it. So they'll say they're not anti-union. 
they'll say they're not anti all of the all of the the things that 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 matter but when it comes down to it these people have no support at all um i'll tell you what though rail workers are doing stuff in solidarity with Ukrainian rail workers whatever you view about why that war started and what NATO's aims are and stuff there is solidarity going back and forth between union members in the UK and union members in Ukraine and of course that won't matter to these people because Lynch said the wrong things. I, I agree with everything he said about Ukraine, um, but you're not allowed to say that now. You just, you know, and it's also just just for Waitrose Twitter, a great reason for them to not support rail workers in dispute. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I don't remember Owen Jones had this really annoying interview with James O'Brien where... Jacob, he... Jacob, yeah. Jacob, I'm going to stop you there i'll promise you hold that for i'll bring you in um i've had a guest speaker who has to leave soon so i'm going to bring him on then you next jack jack you ready yes yes hello hello hey yeah sorry i i I was like i was excited to hear what that what happened in my own jones interview but i guess i'll I'll just i'll i'll listen after i'm i'm off mic right so we brought you on because I don't think there's enough hatred towards Waitrose Twitter <laughs> in this space. People are like just being a bit PG, like, and I'm just, <laughs> I've had enough. Like, what's going on, mate? Like the yeah, man. Let's get this X-rated. Yeah, let's We're get it fucking NC17, which I believe is like PG13, but there's like unsimulated sex in it or whatever. You know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Where is this going? Well, I I don't know. I guess if I think something has to be really fucked up to get NC for seventeen, but I don't know what they decide, what they deign to be really fucked up in like American film distribution. So anyway, this is a whole sidetrack. Let's yeah, let's um, monger some hate. Okay. Twitter waitrose Twitter. Initial thoughts. Go. Oh, what, what, what about that? Um, the question you've been asking everyone. All right, go on then. I'll start with that. Would Jesus Christ vote for Keir Starmer's Labour? I think that Keir Starmer's Labour would make the devil himself blush. I think that he would go an even deeper shade of red. Real Labour colours, in the words of uh, one Michael Gapes. Okay, what else? Um, is the EU flag <laughs> with the UK flag? I'm um, sorry, Ukraine flag guaranteed bad vibes. Oh, absolutely! I can't think of a, a single exception to that uh, unbreakable rule. Um, explain to us why we should hate Ian Dunn so much. Oh, uh, because. You know, he's just like in the lineage of great con men, effectively. Just a, a just a guy with a, the the gift of the gab, who who is very very effective at persuading uh, a certain type of rube. Um, probably, you know, a, a, a somebody you know lacking in hair, somebody who sees sees like a little bit of themselves in in Mister Dunn. They're like, yeah, that guy tells it how it is. That's what I do. <laughs> but I that's what I tell to the the guy from the the like um hair loss combating cream company when I'm yelling at him down the phone about how it hasn't worked. 
Um, that's just like Dunt on uh, the Oh My God, What Now podcast, as I believe it's called now. Yeah. Um, see, with Ian Dunn and James O'Brien, I describe them as David Koresh like <laughs> figures within, yeah. within Waitrose in this terms of they've sell their manifestos uh, in book form, how to always be right and annoying. Um, yeah, how to be a total cunt. Yeah, basically. We're past the watershed, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah good, yeah. good. <laughs> but basically, um, can, are Waitrose Twitter savable, i.e. can their souls be redeemed? Like, what would, what in your personal opinion do we need to do to save them from the clutches of cult figures like James O'Brien and Ian Dunn? Well, look, I mean, I personally wouldn't shed too many tears were they to ape some of the tactics of, say, uh, David Koresh and, and, and his organization or or, uh, or Jonestown, for example. I, I, you know, I'm sure that some some uh, good misled people, um, you know, might be collateral damage, but ultimately the world would be. Um, a far superior place. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know how salvageable they are, really, because yeah, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the whole FBP Waitrose, um, wait, I would someone, I think someone said like Waitrose or Luxembourg. I think that was a central, a centrist <laughs> joke. Yeah, <laughs> but it was, it was a, a, you know, a good one. You had, you had to hand it to them. Yeah, that that's one. the one joke they've had in the, like the past six years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Armando Iannucci hasn't managed that level of like of comedy for several years, you know. <laughs> but um, like, uh, yeah, yeah. No, as far as I'm concerned, they're, they're like the most malign movement of my lifetime because, yeah, just as we had the chance of really uh, upending the um, natural order of British politics in uh, what I think would have been a positive way. Um, you know, this whole uh, counter movement sprung up, uh, you know, almost overnight, very, you know, there were some organic elements to it, but it was, you know, very suspiciously well-funded for, you know, a, 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 a bottom-up grassroots organization, like, uh, well, or set of organizations even, because there were a lot of these, like, suddenly very, very successful and prominent activist groups uh, you know, be it the uh, led by donkeys or, uh, you know, the pe main people's vote organization or the left wing version, another Europe or, you know, there's a whole cottage industry sprang up. And, you know, that's why I really hate cottage industry is that, you know, putting to put an emphasis on the industry side of it. That's where I really hate the likes of Dunt and Femi, who just kind of, you know, chances who saw a meal ticket Um you know, they realized, oh, well, if I if I was doing this, but for Corbynism, uh, that would not be like a lucrative path within the British media political ecosystem. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess like just uh, I, I'll try and wrap up this because I'm just talking uninterrupted for a minute here. But like, um, just just like. I guess the point I was going to make is like, so someone, some of us will know on Twitter, uh, Edie, um, at, she used to be at Multiple Bears. I'm not sure what she is now. It might just be her name, Edie Miller. But like uh, a while ago, like 2018 or something, she tweeted a thing like, it's absolutely hilarious how 
the left uh, how fbpe is so annoying that they've made the left all support brexit <laughs> and <laughs> i thought this was, uh, was a great tweet and you know i was like yeah yes that, that, that's very well observed uh and and you know speaks to me certainly and like you know there was a little bit i to be honest i found the tweet recently and i looked for evidence of this pushback that i remembered in my head uh, and and I couldn't see any, <laughs> I couldn't see it anywhere. So maybe this was all just taking place inside my head, you know, just like this uh, in, internal monologue of like, is this the right thing? No, it's not. You know, the devil and the angel on my shoulder or whatever. The angel obviously decked out in big EU colours because, uh, you know, the FBPs are on the side of the angels. But um, <laughs> like, you know... Uh, you know, I almost when there was, I'm you know, I'm sure somebody did say, well, actually, this is really bad. It shows a kind of reactionary tendency on the left that you just have to be like a really annoying liberal and they'll, <laughs> they'll effectively adopt the most reactionary position. And you know, that gave me some food for thought. And I was like, shit, am I doing that? In retrospect, no, not at all. I think I think that the left, um, in as much as people on the left were made to support Brexit. Um, by how annoying the, <laughs> the supporters of the EU were. It was because, rightly, a lot of people on the left sniffed that there was something up with this uh, this whole kind of quote-unquote movement. That, um... yeah, see, my problem with Waitrose Twitter is there are a lot of genuine people inside that, that echo chamber that don't understand that A, it was a AstroTurf movement and B, the gig's up and everyone's kind of fucked off and doing PR stuff now, like um, proportional representation's gonna warm your house this winter, back Yeah, summer. And like a, a lot of the FB, a lot of Waitrose Twitter uh, have not got the memo. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And so like, in as much as I think people on the left were made to support Brexit, it's because, you know, we realised that a lot of the forces are arraying itself behind what positioned itself as an explicit alternative to Brexit um, were not, in fact, progressive at all. And were another front of, you know, people called Brexit like uh, the backlash of Middle England. Well, there's a whole other side of Middle England that, that, got, that got their own uh backlash to the backlash in the form of the FBPE thing, you know, and that is a very, that's very reactionary in its own way. Um, and and so I think, yeah, in as much as people on the left, like, quote unquote, supported Brexit, it's people thought that, well, I didn't vote for it. I certainly didn't vote for it. But I came to believe, you know, when it was Labour's policy around the 2017 election, I guess, when when it became more explicit, like it became more explicit that the policy was not explicit, you know, <laughs> but it was kind of like, well, we're, we're in favour of accepting the result, but we're not going to do what the Tories did. Yeah, I was totally fine with that. Like, and in retrospect, I'm still absolutely fine with that position. I think it's totally what Labour should have stuck with. And there was nothing wrong at all um, with a large number of people on the left thinking this is completely futile, expending all our political energies um, on reversing this democratically determined result. Uh, and uh, meanwhile, like, uh, and, and 
and putting our energies into this whole debate that like does not benefit the left it's all about taking away class divisions and the divisions between left and right and undermining the narratives that we need to to tell to the country um and and yeah like <laughs> we totally not should not have like got involved in that kind of thing um and and so you know i think but, some but of the thing is, but the thing is Everyone knows that. Every like Keir Starmer yeah. knows that. Hence, why literally he said, "Yep, no Brexit settled. Hard Brexit, everything fine. Hard Brexit, everything fine. Let's yeah. crack on with it." Like, and everyone, he's right, you know. Oh, just just yeah, don't people right. can't assume just because it's that bastard yeah. that he's wrong. Like you know, it's it's the obvious thing. Like it's not a productive area to get bogged down in prolonging this kind of like false division. Um, between quote unquote leavers and the remainers in the country, and yeah, like I say, a lot of us who who were remainers in the sense that we voted for the EU, we voted to remain in the EU rather, ended up like being kind of described as leavers just because we didn't orient our entire politics around that one issue. Yeah, yeah, it's bizarre. Um, hold on, Jack. Uh, I think Nishat wants to ask a question. I think. Yeah. Cool. Hi, um, it's slightly in jest, but partially serious. I've never heard of Ian Dunn. I've muted a lot of people on Twitter, so I, I don't know who he is. But with regard to Femi, I forgive him everything just on the basis of a tweet he once wrote on the 19th of December 2021. And he writes, I quote verbatim, May 2020, I went on a first date in a park, stayed two metres apart, I serenaded her, on my digital piano. Rules meant we, we barely met until July. One of, one of my many relationships that didn't survive 2020. And then he goes on about uh, Hancock shagging colleagues, etc. And I'm... <laughs> I yeah. Just, I just think... I know, look, Fe, Fe, he's a bit of a plonker. He's an FBPE plonker. But for all of that, the fact that he serenades ladies on his digital piano in a park i forgive him that that did humanize him a little bit and yeah i i can i can only imagine the kind of daniel johnston style outsider art that you play on his digital piano was he was he the was he the actor in napoleon dynamite wait who uh, you, do you, has anyone seen the film Napoleon? Oh, I, I know the film. Was who the actor in Napoleon Dynamite? I don't know, I don't know who. Femi. Daniel Johnson, uh, yeah. Oh, Daniel Johnston. Oh, he was. He was. I don't want to describe him in an insensitive way, but he was like a very mentally ill musician. No, no, no. We, we, we won't very... go there. We won't. That's, that's too bleak for me. But um, if if he was good, he was. He was a great artist. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you haven't, if if any of the listeners haven't watched Napoleon Dynamite, I think it's actually a a really lovely movie um, and uh, quite an amiable movie. But but the scene where um, uh, the the main protagonist's brother is sort of on a keyboard singing about how much he loves technology and it's, he's serenading his future wife. <laughs> oh, that's great! <laughs> yeah, it just reminded me of Femi. Um, I'll, I'll I'll try and post a link on my Twitter profile if I've got time. But I have to say good yeah. night to you all. <laughs> oh, no, good, good, always good to hear from you, as as someone you said earlier. Like, yeah. Um, Thank you for reminding me of that okay. Femi moment. <laughs> okay, yeah, I just thought I'd drop that one there. Good no night, problem. all. Thanks, thanks for organising this. Bye. No problem. Thank you, Nisha. Jack, 
Yes. Is Waitrose Twitter an impediment to everything the left does? Oh, yeah, of course. I, I mean, I, like, like I was just saying, like, uh, you know, they probably did more than anything to uh, dissuade uh, as many people on the left as they got to buy into their whole uh, fucking second referendum thing, which was a lot of people. They probably have done, you know, more, more than anything to... Um, convince a load of us that, that their crusade is like not not on the side of the angels and of you know the socialist angels and so forth like yeah they, they like these these people um you know uh, have have waged a, a war on on the values that we hold dear so um yeah fuck them i guess mm. yeah see i i just Right, b- before I move on, um, I've seen a bump in the uh, listeners, um, so just a oh, great. quick one. So a quick one. Um, everyone in the space, if you wanted to go on, please share the space on your timeline so that we can get more speakers on, so we can get questions going. Um, secondly, I've seen a lot of new speakers um, putting their hand up to speak. Um, we'll get to you, I promise you. Um, but um, there is people who have said something at the beginning and have not spoken again. So I don't know if Mikey, you. you well, we've also got to go back to Jacob, who we yeah. rudely interrupted. Yeah. Jacob was going to tell us some good stuff. Yeah. So, okay, then Jacob, you go first. And then Jack, if you want to pipe in at any point, jump in. Tony, take it away. Nice one. Jacob, are you there? Yeah. Come back to us. You were going, you were going to tell us about the Owen Jones thing. <laughs> right. Um, What's he got into now? What scrapes has that cheeky little chappy got was, himself into? Just a quick thing about Femi. You remember how like during the EU slash, uh, election, he always had his shirt off for some reason? <laughs> Is yeah, I mean, he is a little bit more of a kind of bumbling slapstick character than the likes of Dunt, who, who you know, I think is a really malevolent, uh, yeah. hideous, bald man. Uh, you know, <laughs> like his his heart's his heart's in the right place. I just don't know why his shirt needs to be off. Um, the thing about the thing I was going to oh, it was um, there was a discussion that Owen Jones had with James O'Brien a long a while ago, um, after the twenty nineteen election, where. <laughs> It was essentially Owen Jones trying to get James O'Brien to admit that things would be better if Corbyn had won, and James <laughs> O'Brien refusing. And it was one of the funniest things. It was genuinely one of... Because I find it really fascinating when people who um, claim to have no ideology and claim to be bipartisan are very clearly entirely driven by ideology and are very partisan. So... There was a there was basically a thing which I think Owen Jones didn't push back and um, push back on enough, which is typical of like people who still want like gigs on the media, uh, where <laughs> Owen Jones was basically like, "Why didn't you give Corbyn a fair shake? Like, why do you hate him so much?" And James O'Brien replied, "Oh, because he never came on my show. <laughs> I asked him to be on my show, and he never once. He was always avoiding being on my show. He was always ducking. And if you remember the." extent to which the 
the media campaign, how bad it was and how toxic it was for democracy. The idea that James O'Brien, who's this sort of bastion for honesty and truth, joined in this massive, this kind of massive campaign of disinformation, which basically destroyed the country, and he did it because a guy just didn't feel like talking to him, is one of the funniest things. Well, that's what powers the the relationship between the British media and, and political system, isn't it? It's just this constant like backslapping, like yeah. you do me a favor and I'll do you one. It's like you know that's why all the journalists love uh, Jess Phillips because they yeah. say, "Hey Jess, will you come on our show?" And she's like, "Yeah." And then she loves them because they give her all that money that's listed in her register of members' interest page. And they give her Jacob. That was also kind of what you were saying about um, how. Like uh, if it what if it hadn't been for this, then uh, O'Brien would have had a, a GB News show, and because he he, he was a loudmouth for hire before, and he he got right into it. Uh, was was it you, Jacob? Who was talking about his his previous TV program? Yeah, yeah. If you go back and look at the clips, they are horrible. Like they are genuinely awful. Like he's there, like doing. You know how he does in his his um. Oh, I'm above it all. Like I'm just facilitating the, the debate. I don't believe in it. Just asking questions. I'm just, yeah. I'm just asking. Didn't ask Jimmy Savile many questions. You fill the Kilroy gap. <laughs> he's yeah, he's a true Starmerite in some respects, isn't he's he? Kind of, he's kind of he's kind of OG. He's kind of like if you look at the target audience for Starmer politics, it's him and J.K. Rowling. It 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 literally is. Mm. They are they are. Yeah, but J.K. Rowling thinks that Starmer is like a violent woman hater, <laughs> just because he's not, just because he's only casually transphobic. <laughs> Because he won't dive right into it, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just he just doesn't care that much. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that's that's the thing about people like people like Ian Dunn and people like James O'Brien are just fundamentally they're just not helpful to to any situation you're in. You just don't want them around. Like when I remember looking at the EU referendum and seeing all the people who were on the side of Remain, like seeing David Cameron, seeing James O'Brien, all those people, I was like, I'd rather you guys just didn't say anything. Like just, just don't because they're just fun. They just cannot help but turn things just into an opportunity to promote themselves. Wasn't yeah? I mean, people like Dunn, like they Dunn was um, anti Brexit. Um, sorry, he was he was pro Brexit, wasn't he? Uh, very loudly pro Brexit until it became like really good money gig to be anti Brexit. Yeah, he was a Lexit guy, but the issue was nobody had ever fucking heard of him. And so that was a bit of a situation that he couldn't let stand, you know? So uh, all of a sudden he was the opposite of a Lexit guy. Because, yeah, you know, I think someone said earlier, these people are very malleable ideologically. Uh, <laughs> they can be whatever they need yeah. to be. I mean, how many, how many pro-EU types would be pro-Brexit if not for, like, the 2012 Olympics? <laughs> like that, sort of that 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 kind of set their politics. It, it, it's it's so strange how it all changed that, didn't it? Literally, and if you look mm. at how bad the streets were at that point, like how how bad homelessness was, how they basically had to ship homeless people out of East London in order to like make it. And this is the time that they're venerating. It makes perfect sense because if you base your entire politics around this event, which was massively fake, and by the way, has had catastrophic. Um, architectural implications for East London ever since. Like if you it's absolutely awful, on it. Yeah, it's it's awful. Like it's, Stratford is so 
ugly now. East, parts of East London are so ugly because of the Olympics, because of what they did to that place. And you based your whole politics around that. Of course you're going to be malleable, and of course you're going to be fake. Well, so much for like that being the cultural uh, event of the, you know, the, the the richest cultural event of uh, recent British history. I fucked up the entire like aesthetics of the city. Literally, and our opening ceremony was even crap. Let me not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Danny Boyle is a melt. Next, people. I remember people at the time kept saying like, "This is a tangent." People at the time kept saying like, "Oh, it's better than the China one because it has heart." And I'm like, I mean. Loads of things have parts. Yeah, don't tell my co-host Jair that. He loves the Chinese government. <laughs> uh, just just a quick trailer, actually. Uh, I know some of you guys uh, will be big fans of the Leftover podcast, uh, and I believe very soon I should be discussing this very subject, the 2012 Olympics, on that esteemed podcast. So look out for that. So Jacob, just uh, just to finish off with you, I just I've got a couple of questions for you. Um, is there such thing as a good Tory, and if not, why does Waitrose Twitter keep on acting as if there is? Uh, so there's no such thing as a good Tory, but I believe that every person in pursuit of a good Tory, e.g., James O'Brien and them kind of thing, will realise that they were the good Tory all along, and they're just going to pretty much cut all pretenses and join the Conservative Party. <laughs> It does kind of, you know, it, none of it would surprise me. None of it, given the way that these people were before and the way they were during it and the way are they are after it. Um, yeah. nothing, none of that would surprise me. They're going to form a coalition with uh, Rory Stewart uh, and Amber Rudd, all these other people who voted for all of this crap to happen, but kind of had a stopping point and tried to take back the Conservative Party. It's going to be James O'Brien, Ian Dunn, probably Laura Koonsberg, depending on what Boris Johnson, what side he's <laughs> yeah. leaning on. <laughs> They're just going to get together to take back the story. You know, if, if only this wasn't so serious, it would be really fun to watch these people so do that. Fun. But unfortunately, it's really so serious. Fun. Like, do you remember like, Koonsberg's interview with Boris Johnson, like the sit-down they had in a bar? Wasn't it like, um, can I buy you a drink, Prime Minister? Yeah, it was exactly. that. Like that. Was the and then she goes into yeah. a monologue about how, oh, he really just wants to be loved. And doesn't everyone? I was like, I think the problem with Boris Johnson is that he's had a bit too much loving. Um, yeah. Well, listen, just one, one last question for you, and you know it's coming. Would Jesus vote for Labour under Keir Starmer? I don't think Jesus would vote, to be quite honest. Because I <laughs> and I guess my, my, yeah, my perspective is that um, democracy is a fundamentally dishonest um, the way that we've twisted twist it around. is just not helpful. So I think Jesus would probably be on the side of not voting and trying to do something else. There's a really, there's a really interesting episode of The Boondocks. I don't know if you the boondocks where um martin, luther king, yeah, martin luther king actually survived being shot and he wakes up from a coma in the year like 20 2009 and he goes on cnn and instantly becomes public enemy number one because of his views and because his views would be so reviled now so i, I basically think that's what would happen with jesus everybody would hate him james o'brien would be like well he didn't come on my show so maybe he deserved to die on the cross and all that crap You'd, you'd see people say everything was really good until the year zero. Well, uh, well actually, on, on, on that point, just to... Uh, I almost... Wait, this is... Uh, so, um, like, there, there's, a, there's a song from uh, 1940... 
1940 uh, called Jesus Christ by Woody Guthrie, who obviously was a, you know, a, a giant of American folk music and a great socialist. And uh, it, it's just called Jesus Christ. And it has the, the same melody as the, um, the, the, the folk song Jesse James about the outlaw, which is, you know, very like he stole from a rich and gave to the poor, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but it's just like um, he said to the rich, give your money to the poor but they laid Jesus Christ in his grave. Uh, and then it concludes like uh, the song was written in New York City of, reach ma of rich man, preacher and slave. If Jesus was to preach what he preached in Galilee, they would lay poor Jesus in his grave. And that's basically how I feel that the uh, current Labour Party would treat Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah I agree with you. I agree with Jacob. Yeah. <laughs> boondocks is a great reference as well though like boondocks woody guffrey like that's good shit, that. you know good good entertainment good politics <laughs> <laughs> so, okay jacob listen thank you so much yes um stick around because we'll come back to everyone who's spoken jack i know you haven't got much time left so what's your view of whether there's such thing as a good tory and what can we say to waitrose twitter to show them that there is no such thing uh well, I quite like Peter O'Born. Uh, I don't know if he'd identify as a Tory anymore. I think he's probably he probably feels like the he probably feels like he is the true Tory, and everyone else is uh, you know not doing it right. But you well, know, isn't it amazing that... that there's one, there is one person <laughs> in the entire country that we think of as maybe a good Tory. <laughs> well, you have to think if if there's one good Tory and everybody else is, you know, fucking up being a Tory, then maybe that, you know, maybe that person is not such a Tory after all. Just thinking of the the, the line from the TV show Justified that Walton Goggins says, you know, if you wake up, if you wake up uh, and you, you, you know, you have to deal with one asshole, that person's an asshole. If you wake up every day and you're just dealing with assholes all day, maybe you're the asshole. Um, and so, so yeah maybe there's 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 not such a thing as a good tory i uh how can we convince uh these people that there is not such a thing i mean i don't know how do you convince a fucking brick wall of anything fundamentally sometimes you just gotta knock down that wall uh mr gorbachev yeah <laughs> excellent so you any, anything else you want to say to start to wrap your bit up jack uh i don't know if you got any last questions no one's come to uh, demand i get the phone back so i've probably got a couple of minutes if, you know, i want you to uh promote your podcast for those who haven't heard it oh well i have to say my last appearance on this stream was actually uh quite influential on our most recent uh proper episode i think we did one for patreon as well but our most recent you know big event episode was uh, inspired by listening to my friend woke bane or bane nook sir bane qc's excellent contributions to um the this this very fbp <laughs> fbp what the fuck am i talking about this very twitter space uh on the ford report I thought Pete was great, and so I was like, I want to get his thoughts on Ford for my podcast, uh, which is, of course, I, don't, I haven't mentioned it by name yet in this whole thing, uh, Real Politic. Um, we're at Real Politic Podcast uh, on SoundCloud. We should be on most good podcast apps. Um, we've got 
a whole series where I play Mike Gapes, 21 episodes called Gapecast. Hopefully we'll do more of that at some point in the future. Just do you want to check that out? Just pause for a second. 21 <laughs> episodes where you play Mike Gape. I just wanted to say it in a serious voice because I don't know if anyone's ever realised there are 21 episodes where you play Mike Gapes. Oh, yeah, it's a very elaborate production. Like, some of them are, you know, more than an hour long or multiple parts. Like, the early ones are just, like, 10 minutes of me just, like, doing the voice and, like, as if it's a podcast thing. And then it gets very, very narrative. And so it's all about, like, Ilf the, the rival gangs in Ilford and, you know, uh, Ilford politics and Ilford conspiracies. Just kind of Ilford stuff, really. If you... If you have any kind of interest in Ilford politics, it will definitely be up your street. If you're, if you're, if you are more interested in these, you know, these non-Ilford places, I don't know. Maybe it's too good for you. I, what? Who am I to say? Anyway, you, you <laughs> check that out. Gates has ever listened to it. Yeah, I think so. I think it's probably why he blocked me because he, he followed me for a little. Well, he followed the. I think it's the old Real Politic account, or may, maybe the current one. Anyway, he followed it for a bit, and uh, around the time of the Gatecast Christmas special 2021, he uh, unfollowed. Uh, he no, he didn't just unfollow. He he, he smashed that block button. Uh, so if you want to hear the kind of stuff that he was doing, uh, you know, going down people's chimneys and stuff, uh, <laughs> having his trusty assistant Richard Miller lube up the chimney for him to get down uh, into people's into unsuspecting Ilford citizens' houses. Uh, you know, listen for yourself and see what he, he disagreed with about that portrayal of him in that episode. Excellent. Um, listen, Jack, thank you so much. I know you have to go, but stick around if you can, right? And um... Oh, yeah, I think I'll stick around as a listener, but it's been really fun to, uh, to uh, you know, give my two cents on all of this. Uh, and just uh, on another quick note of self-promotion, we do have a Patreon as well. Patreon.com slash realpolitik, one word, R-E-E-L, as in like films and stuff. Uh, politic with a K. Uh, yeah, that's, you know, that should do it. Anyway, you, I'm sure you can find this stuff. Uh, we're always, you know, we need we need for contributions there. It's, every little helps. Um, to quote our sponsor, Sainsbury's, for Sainsbury's... Uh, uh paychecks aren't enough to you know sustain the whole operation so please help us out and um and thanks guys for Excellent. having me on it's been really fun thank you jack two three four Specter in a spy movie It's plain to see They got the drop on me They got me They got me in a Crack video On camera in a Crack video Well you know you reap what you sow Mama told me in a Crack video Alan J. Peculiar's directing my life But the production values Leave something to be there's more grain of a shit than an industrial farm But you can just about see me smoking crack in a crack video 
They got me in a crack video Sometimes bought and sometimes old Need you cracking for a crack video Act of God Was it planted in my mouth By the police squad I don't know who to trust When the crack's done Get the angel dust We'll make a crack video Our very own Crack video Not for the average Joe To get to know me from a Crack video Yeah Crack video a down and dirty, dingy crack video. Do you know what you know, hey baby? Have you ever made a crack video?